have with us Maddie Lambert. She is going to discuss her journey through infertility with a PCOS diagnosis, prolactinoma diagnosis, as well as endometriosis. Um, welcome, Maddie. Hi. Hi. So I know you've gone through infertility for about two and a half, three years and multiple, multiple medicated cycles, as well as numerous IUIs. So we'll kind of let you start there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I tried writing down a timeline of all the things that have happened and writing it down overwhelmed me. So we'll just, we'll just see. I'm going to try to speak as efficiently and clearly as possible. But if something is confusing, just let me know. Um, but yeah, my husband and I are a kinder couple. So we met in 2014 and fell in love at first sight, which I used to think was like the cheesiest thing ever. But we both said within the first week that it felt like coming home. Um, I used to fall asleep. Yeah, I would fall asleep around him all the time. And I until I started like good trauma therapy, I realized it was because I felt safe for the first time ever. That's that's actually like a really good point. (laughs) Yeah. So so like, because we fell in love so quickly right away, we're how many kids do you want? What would our family look like? All of the things. Um, I knew that I wanted to go to seminary and pursue ordination eventually. And that takes a lot of time. So we kind of talked about like a three-year plan, a four-year plan, a five-year plan. We want to wait, but we wanted to have kids before we were 30. Um, so knew we wanted them. My husband has always said like his dream is being a stay-at-home dad. He's actually a triplet as a result of my, my husband says the same thing. So wait, that's so cool. So he is a he's a twin from a triplet pregnancy, you said? No, he is a triplet oh, from, a, from an infertility medicated cycle as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> so That's he is- actually such a unique perspective because he probably heard about it his whole life growing up. Yeah, kind of. I think like he knew it was issues, but not until we started struggling did he actually start asking questions. Yeah. Um, but was familiar with the potential of that happening. Uh, And then I was, I have always assumed that it would be hard for me to get pregnant. My mom has a ton of stuff um, and I have been on birth control since I was 15 because my cycles were so horrifically painful and I would end up in the hospital with cysts that would burst. Uh, I I like get on a soapbox about how frustrating it is for me that nobody ran good tests or took pictures of my ovaries or gave me any diagnoses. They just kind of let me suffer and then went here's a magic pill to take it away do you think that was kind of like the endometriosis had something to do with the painful periods I I I, it's hard to tell what was PCOS PCOS can cause the cysts um versus the endometriosis I so I'll, I'll get to this eventually but like when I eventually got diagnosed I only have stage one so it's hard to imagine that when I was 15, 16, I mean, I was on the pill for a long time and that can kind of prevent it for years. Yeah. Yeah. So who, who knows? Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely knew it was clear. Something was wrong. For sure. Her. Yeah. Um, so we set a goal in like new year's Eve of 2019. We were like, this is going to be the year of Maddie's going to be pregnant by next, next new year's Eve. Oh God. <laughs> um, so I got, because I knew it would be hard. I got off the pill in January with plans to start trying in March um, because I figured it would take a while for my period to come back. And it, it did. Um, it took 
like a month and a half. Um, and I also wanted to kind of get a feel for what my cycle was like off the pill. Uh, world shut down no, in no. March of 2020. So we were like, works for us. We're both home all day. Um, we were watching all these people like in the next several months make all of these oops, quarantine yeah. did this to us announcements. And I I like pick, I kept picturing like per having the onesie that said quarantine plot twist or something like, I don't know. I was trying to make a good situation of out of the, the world shutting down. Um, so we started trying in March, took well, good advantage of us being home for the four months that both of us were working from home. Um, by June, I had noticed that all the pain had returned in, in really, it was just really uncomfortable. It was, it was, I like dreaded my period beyond not being pregnant, but just like I would vomit and it was painful. Um, so I started taking OPKs because I had been tracking my cycle with flow, which I think a lot of women do right away. And it I've said used, like, when yeah, I use that app for like the last three years. <laughs> yeah. So I, it told us when we should be baby dancing, nothing was happening. And I had read on one of the like many community boards that they have that some women ovulate late. Sure enough, realized I'm definitely not ovulating when the flow app says I'm supposed to be ovulating. Um, but I noticed by the end of the summer, I was ovulating around day 19 through 21. So it's a little later mm -hmm. and I would start spotting by day 23. So there was like no time yeah. in between ovulation and my period starting. And the ovulation day was when the horrific pain would start. Interesting. Isn't that kind of like a sign of like progesterone imbalances or something? Yes. Yes. So I had an OB appointment scheduled like normally that summer. So wow. I brought it up to my OB and I just said, here's what's happening with the OPKs. Here's what they're telling me. Here's what my body is doing. And she said, you know, I really don't even think you should be using OPKs. That stresses people out. It's not even been a year. Um, I really think you're going to be fine. So <laughs> I left that going, okay. And of course I yeah, as you say, like five steps back, because you thought you were going to get like some push forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I ignored everything she said and continued using OPKs and just documenting. Um, so yeah, that first like year was just a lot of learning about my body and noticing things. By October of that year, all of my acne that I thought I had said goodbye to adolescence came back. Um, you couldn't see my skin anymore. It was that level bad. And I was so grateful for masks. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> like behind, behind the masks. Um, and then also near Christmas time, I started fainting. And oh I didn't goodness. realize, you know, I, I figured that maybe the acne was just like my hormones are normal because I've been off the pill for a good amount of time. So I started seeing a esthetician. Um, and she actually did like cure my skin. Um, and then the fainting I had no idea was related. So I didn't even bring it up to my OB. So January, 2021 comes around. We've been trying for almost a year now and I get a really faint positive pregnancy test. Um, I was so excited. I like showed my mom and I was like, do you see this? And she kind of said, take one in the morning. It's really faint. Um, and by the morning it was negative again. And Gosh, were you testing pretty early at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I was testing. I was testing like one day past. <laughs> yeah. 
this point. Like I, got I would really- always start testing it like 10 days post ovulation. And I, I mean, I've had several chemical pregnancies in the same thing. I would be like, oh, it's light, but it's supposed to be light. Yeah. yeah. Um, get darker. So I did still end up being late on my period that cycle. And I thought maybe it'll get dark again. And it, mm-hmm. it, it never did. And then I had just so much clotting, the worst, mm-hmm. the worst period ever. And I had never heard of a chemical pregnancy. Um, I actually, so in March, I finally got to see my doctor again, because it had been a year. And she's the one that said, it sounds like you're having chemical, you probably have had multiple chemical pregnancies, mm-hmm. because I'd ha- been having so much pain. Um, and they've been getting worse and worse every month. And because I had that one very faint, faint positive test. So she diagnosed me with something called a lethal phase uh, deficiency or insufficiency, where it's just really, really short. Yeah. Where that, that progesterone kind of comes in. She did no blood testing, no scanning. She Nothing. just was like, I really think this is your issue. Um, but at the time, I was just excited. Someone that was, was something. missing. Something, yeah. and, and, and she was so optimistic. She put me on progesterone right away for the next cycle. Um, have you guys, you guys have talked about that before. Do your listeners uh, know? Not real. I don't know if we really have. I mean, I, on the suppository. Like, yeah. Like, well, yeah. I don't think we ever gotten into it. So progesterone <laughs> sucks. It's a suppository. You stick where the sun don't shine. <laughs> um, usually three days after ovulation. And then you do it every single day until you're supposed to get your period. So like 14 days after ovulation and it will prevent your period from coming usually. That's actually how I found I was found out I was pregnant once because it's like, you're taking this, you think you're going to get pregnant, but then you have to stop taking it. If you, so they almost like say, take a pregnancy test on day 14, just so you know, if you should stop taking it or not. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I know like Amanda, like you took it, you took the like PIO injections and we've yeah. talked a ton about progesterone for IVF, yeah. but when you're trying naturally with the suppositories, it's so hard. Is it so uncomfortable? Like it I'm leaks. It yeah. leaks. It's so Everywhere. Granny panties 24 seven or what? Yes. Really, yes. And I would sit with my legs up for like 20 minutes. It, it, so it all doesn't just like ooze out basically. You know, yeah. the, the, the trying to conceive journey is already not romantic for those of oh, us who no. have to like try forever. It, it was just a new level of <laughs> like, why? You're like, honey, hold my body? legs up so this doesn't juice out. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> Literally, yes. Um, and it gives you horrible cramping. Um, it makes you super bloated and it's hard to tell if it's your period or if it's pregnancy signs. It's, yeah. it's just, it makes your breast sore. It makes you really tired. So it's basically oh, those things. Cause like, if you're like, oh my gosh, I may be pregnant. Cause these are the same signs. That and I'm not getting my period, but yeah. she put me on it because she said, I really think this will resolve the issue that you're having where there's just not enough time for an egg to even implant between you ovulating or supposedly ovulating yeah. and, and you getting your period. Um, so she, so she only put me on one capsule a day. A lot of OBs will put you on two a day. She did one. I was really excited because I, she, I really thought like, this is it. We're going to get pregnant. This is all I needed. Um, first month, it didn't even prevent my period. I bled right through that progesterone, um, immediately. So yep. (laughs) Um, and my, my husband was like, well, 
Maybe your body is just getting used to it. Um, at this point, I'm also still fainting. So I call my normal doctor, in addition to, talk to talking to my OB, and just say, I've been fainting on and off for four months. Um, I'm getting concerned about it. I don't think it's related to anything I'm taking. I've actually stopped taking a lot of things. And I didn't want, I didn't want them to say it was because of the progesterone. Because sometimes when you go on new medications, doctors love yeah. to just kind of go, it's, it's a side effect of the med. And I, mm -hmm. I just started taking that one new med. So I knew if I wanted them to take me seriously, I was going to need to yeah. So my doctor did a whole bunch of tests. They looked at my heart. They did a CT scan of my brain and at the time saw nothing. Um, and they did like a blood pressure test, found nothing. Um, and then I mentioned, I'm also having a hard time trying to conceive. Is there any chance the two are related? Um, and they said, we, we don't, we don't think so. So the kind of said, I think this is your anxious. And like yeah, me, <laughs> it was like the worst thing to say. Like, oh my gosh, that's anxious. Sent me home, and I was like, okay, well, I am anxious. I mean, this has been yeah, well, sure. over a year now. Um, so I go into the second cycle on progesterone. It does prevent my time. Still doesn't work. No, no pregnancy happens. Um, I'm already frustrated because I had felt so much hope the first time she suggested it. Um, and at this point she does finally do some blood work, but she, she tested my AMH, uh, my FSH and one other thing. It's one of like the other basic things. LH tested. maybe. Yes. Yeah. And that was all normal. So she did confirm, like I was ovulating. Um, my egg reserve was good. She was like, good news, you're fine. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, great. Uh, clearly not though. Cause... But because I got those hormone tests, that hormone test done, I actually called my normal doctor and demanded that they test my hormones too, because I was so, I was still fainting and I it was getting to a point where I, my husband didn't want me driving anymore. Wow. Um, and I noticed it was right around ovulation that I would start to faint. So like you were fainting almost every month. Yeah always around the same time and I had it put it together yeah it's so scary so they looked at the blood work that my OB did and said well that all looks fine I'm going to add a couple tests and my cortisol came back really low or they said it came back really low so he sent me to a normal endocrinologist this endocrinologist did like the full I got That's tested for every autoimmune <laughs> like yeah and so what would happen would be my blood. So I got taken off the progesterone mm -hmm. because they didn't want it to mess with any of the things. And my OB kind of was like, let's take, let's take a break and figure out what's going on with your health. Um, I go off the progesterone, my blood work would come back. Everything would be fine except for one thing. So they would think that those, so like everything would be fine except for my ACTH was high. Everything would be fine except for my progesterone was really high. Um, and then I, they'd say like, okay, I think you have Addison's disease. And then they do the final test for Addison's disease and I wouldn't have Addison's disease. At one point they thought I had, oh, I still cannot pronounce this, it's C-A-H, um, congenital adrenal hyperplasia or something. Um, he was like ready to diagnose me with it without even doing the final test. I go to the big hospital in Grand Rapids um, in Michigan where I'm from. And once again, 
pass the final test with flying colors. Didn't Gosh, get that. This is like a whole side journey on top of your fertility yeah. journey. So, so I didn't even realize the two were connected. So I'm like so overwhelmed, trying, still trying to conceive. Like I still desperately want to get pregnant, not understand it, and and uncomfortable because I'm having all of the ovulation pain, all of the period pain, on top of the emotional pain. And also not understanding why my health has just tanked yeah, um, and not getting answers or being really invited to get answers one way or the other. Um, finally, he, he's like, I'm going to do one more test. And he tests my prolactin and my prolactin was super high. Um, and prolactin is usually high in pregnant women. So there was a part of me that was like, maybe I'm pregnant. All right. <laughs> you, need it, you need it for nursing or something yeah. um, he was like no I don't I don't think that's what's happening <laughs> um and he also did a glucose test because at this point he's all he's suspecting PCOS um so I did the glucose test and my blood so the reason they do a blue glucose test sometimes when someone's presenting as PCOS is PCOS actually puts you at risk for diabetes um because your ovaries can be insulin resistant God, yes. Okay, that makes sense. So I had already heard about PCOS. I'd looked into PCOS. I had already asked my OB if I maybe had PCOS, um, had gotten no after no. So I was all again going, this is it. I can't yeah, wait yeah. for a diagnosis, um, which is ridiculous to think about because you would think people would be saying, I don't want to be diagnosed with anything, but I was just so desperate yeah. for an answer. So then I start to go, okay, maybe this is all related. My fertility or my infertility and my, um, whatever's happening with my health, it, it all ha started tanking once I got off the pill. So it's gotta be related. related. So he does yeah. the glucose test. Um, my, his suspicion would be that my, my blood sugar would spike, which is usually what happens when you have insulin resistance. Mine tanked. Um, so it was like in the forties after I did wow. it really low. Um, so he said, I think you're fainting because during ovulation, you have something called reactive hypoglycemia, which is where you're craving sugars like women do, but you're eating so much that your body is just crashing because it can't handle all of those sugars. Um, and then he said, that's, re that's really low. I just did my glucose testing and like the lowest range is 67. And my, I mean, I've been having like fainting too. Mine came back in like the fifties and they were like, that's pretty low, but I mean, forties. They couldn't, he, he said, I don't understand how you're still walking. Yeah. But the thing is I had been so used to feeling this way. And I think as women, we're just told you're supposed to feel crappy at certain points of your month. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I also like during this time had started to struggle with disordered eating because I just wanted to control some I'm things. Also, they talk about your weight a lot and is your weight impacting this? Um, but he said, I, I actually do think this is still PCOS. I, I think you do have some insulin something and it, this is the way your body's responding. And he also said, sometimes prolactin can be high in women with PCOS, but I still have to, I have to send it off to the Mayo Clinic. Um, just to see how high it is, if it wasn't a lab error. Um, and then we also noticed when you look at all of my blood work and all of the weird things that came back, they were all tumor markers. So like your ACTH being too high is, is a tumor marker. So he was like, so also technically, I don't wanna freak you out, but it, it could be a mass in your pituitary gland. 
It's really common when you have those, they secrete hormones. I really don't think that's what it is, but, but I'm gonna send it off to Mayo Clinic. Send it off to Mayo Clinic. Sure enough, Mayo Clinic is like, yeah, get that girl in for a, for a head scan because it was significantly higher than it and was. And you've already had a CT at this point. Yes, and that's, what I, and that's what I told him. And he said, they did it of like your whole brain. We need it specifically of your pituitary gland. They were not looking where they needed to look because they can be so small. Oh. So, so now I'm like, I said to my husband, so I just feel like my body hates me and is rebelling. Like, I just wanted to get pregnant. Not all of this. Like what yep. is happening? Yep. So they get me into a, um, I can't remember if it wasn't, I think it was an MRI this time and they did it with the contrast dye. Um, and then at this point it's July of 2021. So like so much has happened uh, between January and July. So we go on vacation to see my family because we needed a break. Um, we've been trying naturally still um same results using the opks still hadn't been pregnant hadn't even had like another suggested chemical pregnancy all of the things while we're on vacation i get the call from my endocrinologist that says you do have it was four millimeters so so tiny but you do have a four millimeter either a cyst or a mass we don't know which they're always non-cancerous it is in your pituitary gland it probably is what's what's upping your your hormone levels um, and it could also be causing your fainting. So I, I hung up the phone and I said to my husband, everybody. So at one point when I was seeing my normal doctor and they were telling me I was anxious, they were like, it's not like you have a brain tumor. And I said to my husband, ha, I did have a brain tumor. I'd be calling the doctor and be like, so yeah, you know, remember when you said that? I actually you do. the worst. Yeah. I have so many questions and I know you're going to answer them. So I'm assuming, is that something that they can treat or yeah, take out? Easily. So if it was like massive, they would probably do surgery and, and do a whole test on it. it. It was so small that it would be insignificant if it weren't for all of the stuff it was doing to my hormones. Um, yeah. And I think if I hadn't gotten off the pill, I never would have had the symptoms that I was yeah. having. So it probably never even would have mattered. For some women, it can stunt your growth. Um, infertility is a really common side effect of this. The, mm -hmm. I, I, I know a, a child who just got diagnosed with one and it's made them exhausted and stunted their growth. And so it, it's, it's, it's common, but doctors overlook it because they assume hormones will work themselves out. Women's bodies are weird. Yeah. Um, and you're just anxious. And also pituitary gland tumors can cause extremely high levels of anxiety because they are upping all your stress hormones. Wow. Uh, right. I've never heard of this before. This I know me so either. Interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't either. <laughs> and oh, now wow. I know like there's this whole world of people that, that have sure. that. Yeah. Um, and I've had migraines my whole life. So there's also been a lot of like, even though it's so small, is that why I've had migraines? Are they thinking uh, this is something you've like had for so long since you were like a kid? Probably. Yeah. You can, you can have them at birth. It's, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, like, especially when they're this small, it's, it's not deadly or, or anything like that. I think I really don't believe I would have ever been diagnosed with it if it hadn't been for, for advocating for myself and also just trying to get pregnant, which is yeah. super annoying, but sure. the story of a lot of women's lives. Mm-hmm. So he suggests that I go on something um, called cabergeline, which is essentially straight up dopamine. Um, and I'm still trying to conceive. 
So I was hesitant to start any medicine that wasn't safe for pregnancy. So I contacted my OB and I just said, here's everything that's happened. <laughs> um, here's what he wants me to take. Is it safe? And she said, I have no idea. I have never worked with someone who has this. At this point, I think it's probably time to go to a reproductive endocrinologist um, and see an infertility specialist. So this, this is like August of 2021. So I let my endocrinologist know, and he's like, beautiful, great. I will, I can actually send the referral along with your OB and I'll send all of your blood work so that you don't have to go through that again. I wish you well. So he was lovely, like the best doctor I've ever worked with. Um, just nobody seemed to know how to answer any of my infertility questions, <laughs> even my OB. So frustrating. My infertility related questions. Um, so I call, I'm able to get in in October. So I only have to wait like a month and a half, not a huge deal. Again, I start feeling that, okay, this yeah. is it. It's going to be fine. Um, I'm going to be okay. They can like officially diagnose me with things and we can be, we can be treated. Mm -hmm. So we go to the fertility clinic, really excited to just get some answers. She's really impressed with all the blood work and all the information I already have. Um, and then I end up in the ER because I have a cyst burst and it's like the most painful. I, I, I had my, I had appendicitis in January of 2021 and like preached a whole sermon through it. Had no idea it was appendicitis. Still thought they were lying to me as they're rolling into surgery. So I have like a good, a high, a high pain tolerance. This was the worst pain I've ever experienced. So, so you had this happen while you were waiting to get in with the RE. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I have the cyst first. Um, and I find out it's a cyst when I'm in the ER. They pat me on the back and send me home and say, good news, you're fine. It's a cyst. I was like, I'm like, you're like sobbing bent over throwing up and they said they say take some Tylenol go home that is it yeah but because, oh yeah but because I was getting in with the RE I called them and said please can you just see me and do yeah. something and she had me come in for the first like diagnostic ultrasound scan I've gotten the whole freaking time so it's been almost, almost two years, two years. Almost two years. yeah um that is crazy in two years you literally never had an actual ultrasound no like no okay. no I'm like baffled and also like treated for nothing essentially so so just suffering for for this whole time um and starting to like get really depressed uh because I don't feel good all I want is a baby you know I I work I'm, I'm a youth director so I work in the church world and I go to seminary and unfortunately when you're a person of faith people really like to shine that toxic positivity on you and say things like god has a plan all oh, yeah. timing um they point you to the narratives of women who were infertile in the bible and and all that is true god does have a plan things are in god's timing god is not punishing me <laughs> by making me suffer this way and also if you read those stories of infertility in the bible the stories suck they're, yeah. they're, they're can you imagine being a 90 year old woman and no, well, that's what's, yeah that's the thing like I read so many phenomenal books during that time which to lead you back to those stories but it's like okay but they're like 90 and they waited like 60 years like it's not extremely relevant yeah and, and Hannah who 
begs God, begs God for a baby. Doesn't get a baby until she makes yeah. a deal with God. Has to give the baby over to the temple exactly. after he yes. weaves him. So it, it's just, my faith is starting to really suffer. I, I'm miserable. I've got the same trauma everybody else has from COVID. Um, my marriage is, is kind of like struggling at this point because it's just not fun. Like nothing's fun anymore and I mean if you're not only are you going for like your fertility but now you've gone on this whole health journey so you're just like in doctor's appointments and trying to work and yeah I get it and go to school and and so I forgot to say this in June of 2021 my husband did ask for his his a sperm count analysis because I was like it's, it can't just be me <laughs> um he's he came back above average so like not just perfect, like disgusting. So, so did mine. Like way to just brag. Okay, it was way to really rub it. Frustrating. <laughs> yep. So he's fine. So, and he actually he called me when <laughs> when he found out what it, it was, and he went, "I almost don't want to tell you this." And I'm thinking like, "Oh my God, you're blank." Oh God. Like what? Um, he goes, "It's just that it, it's perfect." Um, <laughs> it's above average. I'm so sorry. And he goes, this sucks. I really wish I was. This isn't happening. And I just was like, I hate you. I gotta go. (laughs) I was gonna say, I hope you hung up on him. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so we go with, with all this information, but my RE, I called her and said like, can you just get me in for a scan? So they get me in for a scan. They see the cyst that's been bursting. Also both my ovaries had so many cysts, like, like clear as day polycystic. And I didn't, I don't at this point, because no one's taken a picture of in my ovary for me, I don't know what's normal. All I see are what look like 20 something follicles. Yeah. Well, I'm like, you're all wrong. Look how fertile I am. (laughs) The problem. And they're like, no, no, those are not healthy, mature follicles. Those, those are, those are cystic ovaries. Um, and this is why you're in so much pain all yeah. the time God. especially when you're ovulating because you're, you're ovulating and, and like she said I can't even I bet you you haven't even had a mature follicle ever um so then I'm like just devastated yeah. uh because I've already got you know it was it was really scary even though they always say like it's so normal this happens to women it was scary to hear I had something in my brain um I knew Absolutely. that I probably had PCOS so it's just starting to feel really like doom and gloom what's the rest of my life going to look like yeah um they they schedule me for an hsg too right away just to make sure there's nothing wrong with my tubes i completely convinced myself my tubes are going to be blocked because at this point i'm like there's not been any good news ever so but my tubes were totally fine it i had a really painful experience which with an hsg and i know a lot of women say it doesn't hurt if there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong and it was super painful for me so kudos to women who think that that's fine I <laughs> hated it um but I was like okay yeah I just have horrible PCOS yeah stupid thing in my brain um and she so the, the RE is like we're gonna put you on that cabergeline totally safe for pregnancy you're actually gonna take it up until you get pregnant we're gonna get your prolactin under control and we're gonna start you on letrozole which is what they usually do for women with PCOS um so I'm really excited again. You have a plan, finally, yes. So by the end of October, my prolactin is totally normal. 
which is great. That's only like a month on that medicine. Yeah. Cause it it wasn't like, it's such a, what it does is it like shrinks what you have in the, the, the mass. So it was already so small that I, my assumption would be that means it's, it shrunk so sure. quickly. Mm-hmm. So prolactin is totally normal. I literally start crying when I get the phone call that my prolactin is normal. I don't faint for that cycle. Yay. Uh, the cyst heals. I, and, and there it's the first experience I've had with a doctor where they're even sitting with me when I go into those appointments, anxious and overwhelmed and, and being very like, of course you are. I'm so sorry. You've been put through the ringer. So I'm just like very optimistic. And my husband is feeling very optimistic. So we, in November of 2021, we do our first medicated cycle. I have two healthy, mature follicles. Um, my husband has a meltdown because he's like, we're going to have twins. I don't want to have twins. And I said, it sucks to suck. I don't, I don't care what you want right now. In the bedroom, we're doing this. Um, and I'm, I'm terrified of needles. So it was like a whole thing. My friend had to come over and give me the trigger shot because I was just so scared to do it. Um, the day I had to do my trigger shot, we had to put one of our cats down. Oh no. Oh life, God. life and, and infertility. Oh, like you can't schedule it. It yeah. just blows. Um, but I was like, this will be so beautiful. Like we had to put our cat down and, and with death, God breathes life. Yes. Yes. Um, and they didn't put me on progesterone for this cycle. So I, I don't know, I don't know if they just like thought maybe that was going to be a non-issue because I was ovulating on time, but I, I ended up spotting within three days of the triggers, the trigger shot, which I was like, maybe it's implementation bleeding and this is it. It was not it. Um, it didn't work. I, and ovulating was still painful. My gosh, when you're ovulating at a two, it's so, and your ovaries, you know, when you have PCOS, your ovaries are already kind of like a disaster and inflamed. Those meds make you kind of burst a little bit. So it was just not a great trying to conceive month, but I, I, again, like had been so hopeful. So when I had the negative pregnancy test, I, I, I really hadn't cried a ton the whole time. I lost it, like scream sobbed. Um, my husband was like, I don't know what to do for you. What can I do for you? Um, what, pretty much went, this is never going to happen. I hate this. Yeah. And it's like, had to, it sucks to have to call the clinic on cycle day one and be like, it failed. It's me yeah. again. Um, but they're still optimistic because it was the first try and they were like, you responded really well to the medication. And I let them know about how I started spotting so quickly. And they said, we're going to put you on progesterone right away. Let's do it. So we're going to fire all the shots. Um, so December, we do our second one. I only have one, um, one follicle and same thing. It, it just, it failed again. So we, we, we were optimistic. We're excited. Did the nope. progesterone work that time though? Did the progesterone worked. Um, and they, they're like, I think we've resolved the problem. Um, but then I don't, I don't, something happened that cycle where like it was the worst period of my life and I I said I don't know if I have another cyst or if if like it's because it thickens your lining when you do that so they had me come in for a baseline ultrasound and they kind of were like I just I just wonder if 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 maybe um 
maybe we're just overstimulating your ovaries too much and and let's just do let's just do one more um so this is this is like towards the beginning of december so like our last one was end of october early early november we did another one beginning of december so we actually got to do one more towards the end of december like it feels like in the matter of basically two months <laughs> we got to try these yeah. three times um this was at an iui and i bet you that works and you don't have to do this again and your ovaries will take a break and it'll be fine so we add the iui wait can you explain that because i have a friend that just did that so you're saying it was like a medicated cycle plus the iui yeah can you so explain you do, how that works you do all the same things so i went in for i went in for that baseline ultrasound i didn't have any ovaries but they talked about how thick my lining was and that that could be really really painful and my ovaries were inflamed so like the medicine had been making them overstimulating them um but they have you do all the same things you take the letrozole cycle day three through seven you go in see how many follicles you have um you take the trigger shot and then instead of having they still have you have intercourse but they have you sustain before the trigger shot so that when you go when the when the guy goes in to give his sample it's like the best sample there could possibly be um and they put the sample in a syringe and then put the syringe directly in through a catheter into your cervix so that it kind of bypasses all of the stuff and gives them a chance to just get right up in there so it's almost like it. double like they're doing like super yeah. specific and then you're also going to have intercourse like that night or the next day yeah. so then you, you also go home and have sex again or again i guess you didn't yeah. have sex in the morning i don't know however you define what sex is um, <laughs> And IUI is super uncomfortable. Uh, it hurts. I've never had one. And I don't have it either, is it? I think so. Anything touching your cervix hurts. Okay. They're like, they're, they say to me, you're going to feel a little pressure. And I like leapt off the bed. I was like, that's a lot of pressure. Oh my God. Um, and I bled. I mean, it, it feels similar to a pap smear. Okay. Um, or, or for me, it was a little worse than a pap smear, but it's yeah. like a similar feeling of it's messing oh, with your cervix. There. Yeah. in an unfortunate way um so I go in for the IUI my husband had to go in at seven in the morning to give his sample in the danky doctor's office which I was like boohoo which I will tell you like that is probably like the most top like the most talked about topic in our local fertility group every time someone does IUI for the first time or IVF they're like okay so like can you not just give do this like the sample at home and then drive it to the clinic and like you really can't unless you live right next to the clinic. <laughs> yeah that was our issue so we live about an, like pretty much exactly an hour away from our clinic and it was just too risky I wasn't gonna and they were like you could get him a hotel room and I said I'm not doing anything for him <laughs> I kid you not girls are going to be listening to this. I've had three girls in the group. One of them did it, got the hotel right next door for their husband. And then multiple girls followed. But to your point, Maddie, like, I was like, if that is all he has to do, no. and now no, you go have fun. Okay. Yeah. That's like your worries. right? I'm certain that that is an uncomfortable experience. I mean, it has to be uncomfortable, high pressure. My sweet husband has anxiety and it definitely comes out in his performance. It's like, was also one of the early on issues we discovered. Um, so, so we also had to set all these things. I wasn't allowed to speak to him about it for the whole day before. I wasn't, allowed to say I wasn't even allowed to be awake when he left in the morning. 
Um, <laughs> you're not allowed to be awake. That is so, but I, I, I love that you brought this up because it's actually really a huge deal. Cause it's the only thing they have to do. Yeah. And then us as so wives, and yeah, if he doesn't spouses, do we're like, okay, like we want to support you. But at the same time, we're like biting our tongue. Yeah. hundred oh, percent. So he goes, I freaked out because I did not hear from him until eight 30. So I was like, oh my God, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And this is the end for me. And I'm going to kill him when he gets this- home. <laughs> I would have literally straight up like, yeah, murdered him. Like, this is the end. <laughs> I'm like literally doing a mantra of you need to give him grace. Be a nice husband or be a nice wife. <laughs> do not shame him. Do not perform it. Shame him. Turns out like, that is amazing. again, another classic husband thing. He just forgot to update me. Oh, for sure. <laughs> You're like that. What are you you so like he you said one job. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to check in with him. I wasn't allowed to ask how it went. So I'm like waiting for an hour going, I can't text you. Right. Like, so just text me a thumbs up. Like we're good. He's like, he's like my bad. I, I assumed, I assumed you'd assume it was fine. Okay. God. Fine. So this is COVID also. So we could never go to any of my appointments together the whole time. So for the first IUI, he, we could not be there together. Um, oh my goodness. I had to drive myself. I was really emotional the whole drive because I also, there's a lot of grief in kind of realizing this is where we're at. I mean, I mean, at least with medicated cycles, you still kind of have the illusion of doing it naturally because you're still having intercourse. This, this is not, the reason they have you have intercourse, if this is TMI, I'm sorry, after an IUI, it's because they want you to orgasm because it makes your muscles contract and that increases the likelihood of the sperm moving well. Yeah. Even if you like go home and have intercourse and you end up pregnant that cycle, there's really not an illusion that the intercourse is what got you pregnant. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, and it just becomes really sterile. And like you said, especially going by yourself, he couldn't even like sit there and hold your hand. Yeah. So I get in there. The reverence they have over his sperm count is Again, I'm like, can we stop talking about this man? You know, you know what I had to do to get him in this door. Okay, like this is ridiculous. Um, so they're so they want at least a five million sperm count to do to do an IUI post wash. So they take they take the sample and they they clean away all of the dead sperm, all of the sperm that's not the best. Post wash, she had for this first one over seventeen million. So just whatever. He sucks. I mean, and they're like, isn't this great? Like, this is incredible. Other women would kill for this. And I'm like, just shove it in me. (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh. Good Lord. But I start to feel that glimmer of like, okay, yay. It's going to happen. I have a lot of chances. (laughs) Um, We do it. She puts this like sponge in me to make sure that she's like, it's not because if sperm comes out, it'll, it'll decrease your likelihood. It's just, you know, whatever. We may as well do everything we can. They put me back on the progesterone. Um, and actually this OB had me taking it twice, twice a day instead of once a day. So I think that it like legitimately did hold off, hold off my period. Um, I test my trigger shot out obsessively for this one because I, I really was like, there's no way Will you explain that to listeners if they're new? Oh, yes. So a trigger shot is essentially HCG. Um, It's what makes you ovulate, but unfortunately, it also gives you a false positive for up to 13 to 14 days. Oh, gosh. Uh, I didn't even know it was that long. I thought it was like three or four days. So it it totally depends on the dose, and it totally depends on the woman and how long it goes through 
sure. their system. But for me, it was usually like by day 12 is when it finally was totally out. Um, and so you just take that pregnancy test every day and get lighter and lighter. Yeah. Multiple times a day and multiple was really, times a day. <laughs> was really like kind of going, maybe it'll never be negative. Negative. Yeah. Oh, um, gosh. by day 13, it's negative and I'm already bleeding <laughs> through the progesterone again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so the whole p- purpose of that is like, you're testing it out so that you don't just take a test on day 13. That's yeah, positive, you're positive. And it's false. Yeah. yeah. Right. So by day 14, they're usually like, if it's still there, you're pregnant. Right. Um, or if it's like a faint positive, that probably is a, a real that still positive. has to be hard though. But, but yeah. Um, so it was negative. I'm already spotting. Um, I still had all this hope that like, maybe the spotting was implementation because it was happening through the progesterone, like what on earth? And it, you know, maybe it will magically be positive in the morning by day 14, which is like the official positive response day. Yeah. Um, it's still negative by day 14. And I called them and still made them do a beta. I was going to ask that. Do you, do do they normally do betas? Only if you have a positive test. Okay. Um, but, but I said, I'm not stopping the progesterone until you give me a bait. I was just so unwilling to admit that this had failed because it felt like, you know, three medicated cycles is a lot on your body. We're going into year three. I just, I don't know. I couldn't, I just really couldn't believe it was still an issue. Um, and they do a beta and they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. You're not pregnant. So I'm devastated again, but a little more numb to it. Um, I stopped the progesterone and all of the same pelvic pain from the last period comes back. It's worse. I vomit. Um, I, I almost end up going back to the ER. I end up, I do have a cyst. So they like, look at me and I do have another cyst and they don't really want to do, um, medicated cycles. So I asked for a cons, a consult with our, our, our RE, um, and she said, I actually think it's time for the endometriosis discussion because you're having all of this pelvic pain. And while yes, the PCOS can be causing it with ovulation um, and the cysts, I think it's worth exploring because we've tried everything else we can possibly try. We've treated your PCOS. We've gotten your prolactin under control. Um, I, think you, I think you need to get the surgery. And then I really appreciated, she said this, we need to start talking about your quality of life after this and and what does caring for you and you feeling good look like that's amazing Um, yeah and so she said I know you're OB she's wonderful which is true she is she didn't know how to like handle some of this stuff but she is wonderful and your insurance will probably like it better if she does it so take January off enjoy your holidays um and see if you can get in to, to get the surgery um so I'm again, like sad and also going a new answer. Yeah. Like yeah. maybe this will fix everything. And probably a little scared. Cause you're talking about like a laparoscopy, right? Yeah. And I had had, so I wildly under underestimated how difficult that surgery was going to be because I had exactly no what 13 months before. Um, no, not even in February of 2021, so it's January now, I had my appendix removed and it's the same thing. Yeah. And that was like nothing. Um, I tried to go back to work the next day and they yelled at me and made me get a doctor's note. Oh. Um, 
and it didn't even scar like they did a really good job and it wasn't super painful so I I really naively was like it'll be the same I was supposed to so I was supposed to lead youth group the Sunday it was the surgery so they scheduled the surgery in January it was scheduled for a Friday I was like I'm gonna leave the youth group on Sunday it's going to be fine and I was supposed to go on a youth retreat the following weekend so like whatever I got this um and I kind of said you know my assumption is either you're going to find nothing and it's going to be so frustrating or you're going to find a bunch. Um, and she was like, well, even if we find nothing, it helps that we move stuff around. Yeah. Um, and I specifically said, can you please, if you don't, because they're only checking your reproductive organs when you're going through infertility, which I think is dumb. Like, can you just, you're in there. Everything. Can you yeah. grow like up to your chest cavity? Can you look at everything? And I said, if nothing else, can you just look at my bladder? Because I've had um, urinary tract infections and painful urination. And that's one of the things that hurts when I'm ovulating and when I'm on my period, like specifically painful urination. Um, and she was like, okay. She's like, what a request. <laughs> yeah. So I want to do surgery. I hate surgery. Going under is like so traumatic for me. I don't like being asleep and having people be inside of me. So it's like a whole emotional, so dramatic thing. I wake up and I'm like, did they find endometriosis? Oh. <laughs> like so loopy. Um, and my husband's like, they only found stage one, which devastated me. But he went, but it was all on your bladder. You're like, huh, I'm so, like, I knew so, it. That's it was so good. interesting. Like you knew, you knew yep. exactly where it was. And I guess, you know, once I got over being loopy and I got to like actually see my doctor post-op, she was like, stage one is awful. I mean, it's all awful. So, so, and also you've only been off the pill for two years. So stage one actually kind of makes sense. Um, and the painful urination went away and That's like, insane. so when they were in there, they removed it. Yeah. Yeah. They removed it right away. Um, she did say they also found nodules on my fallopian tube. She was like, I wasn't going to touch that because I don't want to touch your fallopian tubes. It wasn't endometriosis it was just some women have nodules mm -hmm. there's a part of me that's like I would love to learn more about what the heck what that is nodule is yeah okay um, add it to my list of 12 other right. diagnoses right um so she officially diagnoses me with endometriosis she says so go on back on the pill or get pregnant to prevent it and I was like oh okay thank you for that yeah um I get cleared for another Medicaid cycle, like within three weeks. The only thing that was hard because they had to cut through so much scar tissue less than a year out from the last surgery, I was in bed for the full, I mean, at least the full four weeks, it's like four to six weeks of recovery. It was awful. It was four so weeks. Awful. Um, I still led the youth retreat. You bet I did, um, oh. but it was horrible. And I definitely wasn't at youth group that next Sunday. Like I thought it was going Oh to my be. gosh. I, also, I had a side effect because so oftentimes when I go under, I uncontrollably throw up from the anesthesia. So they threw every single medicine that they can throw at me. And one of them made my vision go away. Wait, what? Like completely you couldn't see? I it was uh, I could see colors and shapes. So I like, so by day two, I went, I'm blind. My husband, yeah. my husband was like, wait, wait, wait. I forgot to tell you. They warned me this might happen. I forgot to I tell you. you. I forgot to tell you, you may go blind. For oh, God. <laughs> I also was like, what else is new? <laughs> you know, uh, probably was awful, but they did. They, she said she cleared me for another cycle by February. 
Wow. Um, so my period came back. Um, I had like a normal cycle and I was actually on my period when I went in for the endometriosis surgery. So it was like actually really good timing. We didn't have to wait a super long time. My OB is like, okay, we're going to do an IUI. We're going to do pull out all the stops. I think this is it. Hmm. It was not it. (laughs) Once again, did not work. The good news about this one though, was my husband was able to go in with me. So finally with the COVID restrictions. Um, so he comes in with me, we get to hold hands. Um, yeah, it it was, it was, a. it was, we went out to breakfast together afterwards. So it was a much more like, it just felt more intimate and, and more like husband and wife coming together and and trying to have a baby. Um, So I thought it's going to be magical and it's going to happen. It didn't. Um, yeah. Up to this point, like, I know you technically only took that like one month break in that in January at this point, were you like, I'm just going to keep going and keep going until I have a baby. Or were you like, okay, we need a break. Yes. No. Well, okay. Every month I would have the, I'm done. I, I can't yeah. do this anymore. And, and then I would do it again anyways. It's, it's addicting. And I think what's, yeah, it's I so think what's hard about the trying to conceive journey is you almost forget the end goal as a baby, because then you're like, I just need to make a follicle. Mm-hmm. the sperm count just needs to be good the the progesterone just needs to work the labs need to come you know and and so then all that happens and there's no baby you're like <laughs> I reached all my goals it worked yeah why is this not happening so no I was like we're go we're we're yeah I can't stop this is this everything feels pointless if we stop yeah I was the exact same way mm-hmm. same. so I met and so we had we actually like Besides that one month break, which we still tried naturally in January. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. Um, we didn't take a break. And at this point we've had one, two, three, four medicated cycles. Um, nope. Now it's five. I was going to say this one would have been the fifth after the, yeah, endo. So also I'm like a crazy person because the, the hormone, I haven't slept. They made me have horrible insomnia. Um, my brain wasn't working and I'm in school too. Right. So I'm having a really hard time with the fact that my brain isn't working. Um, my, my faith is like not in the toilet, but just, it was a lot of yelling at God. And also the amount of women that, at my church that would, cause I had been pretty open that we were struggling with this. And there's a lot of women in my church who have struggled with it and very lovingly embraced me through this whole process, but they were on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So I think hindsight advice is just so much different than when you're in the moment. Like I had my miracle baby, you'll have yours. And it, it, it was really comforting at first. And at this point I was just like, shut up, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. who knows? Um, so my RE asked for a consult after this one fails. And I'm thinking she's going to say like, here's the next plan. Um, and so I just go by myself. And it's all virtual. They still are doing consults virtually. I think they'll always do them virtually now. I, I, so I go into this appointment by myself on my floor in my living room between meetings. Like, it's going to be great. She goes, is your husband joining us? And I said, oh, crap. No. Should he be? She said, oh, it's okay. Like, you can catch him up later. But I just wanted to talk. You know, we've done everything we can. Um, We've done the medicated schools. You've got multiple failed IUIs at this point. We've treated your endometriosis. I think it's time to start having though this may never happen conversation. 
and what before and, the IVF conversation or is IVF conversation. she said it's probably it's never going to happen conversation and if you want this is the time where we say the last the last thing is IVF um and you know one I was just immediately like blindsided by by the whole thing because I think I'm 27 I haven't had a lot of like final things said to me in my life. Like, so wow, you were young going through that. And oh, I, yeah. I, sorry, I say that. Amanda's like, yeah, it was like, I was that age too. Wow. Yeah. So I, I'm still, I'm still, yeah, I'm still young. My husband's only 28. We have, no, because this is this year. You're in 2022 at, at this yeah. conversation. Okay. Um, I haven't had a lot of people say like, this is, this is a very final thing. And, and I, yeah, so I kind of say IVF is never going to be a financial option for us. And we already had some like ethical feelings for ourselves about sure. IVF. I have lots of like Dylan, my husband, has many people, even even people in his family who've done IVF successfully and it's been lovely. Um, I know people that have, I just have like mixed feelings. And it's again, I'm like so convinced that. I you don't can do it do without. It. Yeah, I don't need it. And your uh, phobia for needles probably didn't align. <laughs> no, I don't want to have surgery again. Um, it was like twenty. It's like twenty thousand dollars. Minimum. Go. Minimum. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I, I pretty much immediately was like, no. And she said, okay. Well, then I think you should take the summer off. And the summer. Oh. Yeah. And uh. you come back in the fall, and we'll see where we're at. And I said. Well, my insurance, so my insurance covers three IUIs in a lifetime. So my insurance covers one more. I would like to do one more. Hearing everything you're saying, I would like to do one more. And can you be the most aggressive one? So can we up my letrozole? Can we do all the stops? Um, and then, and then if it doesn't work, I will do what you're saying. Um, and she agrees. She's like, I love okay. that. I love Great. that. Like, tell them what you want instead of walking out of there, like super depressed. So I take the highest dose of letrozole, which is like 10 something. Um, I was taking five milligrams. So I'm on like 10 milligrams. Um, but the whole cycle was the least hopeful I felt. So I always felt a little bit like, this is it. I cried every single day. And I remember getting off that phone call and calling my husband sobbing just besides myself and apologizing to him. Cause I'm like, I'm never going to be able to give you kids. All you've talked about is wanting to be a dad. You're never going to get to be a dad. We were supposed to go. It was his mom's birthday. We were supposed to go have dinner with them. I couldn't get off the floor. So we didn't go. So then like we told his family because I was like, you have, you just, just tell him why. Cause I, I can't function. Um, but I said too, it just feels like they're giving up. A normal couple takes a year. All you've done with these medications is give us a normal couple's chance. And it's only been six months. Mm-hmm. How is it fair to tell me you don't think it's ever going to happen when, when you, my yeah. body only just started functioning the way everybody else's does? That's such yeah. a good point. I know. And I think the reason is it, my, again, my ovaries, my poor sweet ovaries that are already struggling are like, why are you doing this to us? They're so inflamed and like way overstimulated. And I mean, six medicated cycles with only one month off from them is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not recommend, and they don't recommend. 
right? That's they, they want you to do three and then go do something else or take a break at least. Um, so I cried every day, but we did the electrical. I had four <laughs> follicles, but thought nothing of it because I was like, we can't even get one. We're not going to get four. Yeah. Um, we do the IUI and this is the first IUI my, my husband and I did a hope purchase. So we have purchased nothing baby related because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, and we, we went to the store together and we picked out, um, I picked out a dinosaur stuffed animal because I'm obsessed with dinosaurs. So I was like, the baby can have this. Um, we prayed together outside of the clinic. We go in They're immediately like, this is the best sample <laughs> of course over 20 million. Um, my husband makes like a, you're welcome joke and pounds the doc, bumps the doctor. Like it's like a whole Stop. thing. Uh, um, we hold hands, it gets done. And I kind of just say, at least I never have to do this again. Mm. Um, and at least I can say, I tried everything. I had pain every single day after after doing the thing and I bled three days after after the the IUI procedure so I was like it failed it failed it failed it failed the only reason I'm not totally bleeding is because of the progesterone um and this is in April so if 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 you're not familiar with like the church calendar we have we're like in the midst of Lent waiting for Easter. So we've got Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, all kind of leading up to each other. Um, so it's like a som lovingly somber week. And then this like huge joy of resurrection. And I was like, I am not feeling the Easter. I will go to the depressing services and engage in those, but I'm not helping anyone with Easter. Um, so <laughs> it, it was just like a bad it was just a bad I love how truthful and honest and raw you are that is awesome because I definitely felt that way (laughs) yep and I'm seeing like all these people still pregnancy announcements I feel like everyone got pregnant in 2020 at the beginning of 2022 and then it was a lot of like "Uh oh here's our fourth just like god Uh oh Oh, yeah Mm -hmm. cannot relate um so I'm, I'm like convinced it failed every day and I still tested out the trigger so by eight days post ovulation, it's Monday, Thursday, and it's negative already. And I am in the, we're in the parking lot of my church to get ready to go into the service. And I'm like in hysterics, just, just weeping because I just was like, I hate this. And I knew it was going to fail, but it, it's, I think I must've had more hope than I thought I did. For right. Sure. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I, I specifically said we had four eggs and all of the sperm and everything going for us. And it's still, I, I had a whole hit, hissy fit, walk into the church, fall apart again. Our head pastor sees and walks the opposite direction, which is a bunch of crap. Um, I don't, and I, and my husband is like, I don't know if he saw you crying. I think he's just like getting ready for the service. And I was like, he saw me crying. <laughs> <laughs> so we sit in the back. Um, I'm still weeping. We have to leave early because I cannot pull it together. And then the morning of Good Friday, I take another test and all of a sudden there's a faint line again. And I was like, I, I showed him my husband and I went, 
God is playing tricks on us because now the trigger shot is magically back. Like that's what I said. Well, of course, at that that point you have so much trauma and you're like, of course it's, it's not a real beta. Like it's not real HCG. It can't be like actually real. So it's nine days and it's nine days post-ovulation. Like usually the trigger shot is still there. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I go to good Friday. I'm now I'm just angry and annoyed that my body's playing stupid games this cycle I'm still in pain um so I'm also like can we just like get this over with and be done um and I was dreading stopping the progesterone because I was like this is going to be the worst period of my life mm-hmm. if it already hurts this bad um that evening we're supposed to go to see <laughs> the new Harry Potter <laughs> movie with our friends um and I, and we were going to drink and I was like, well, I'll just take another, I'll just take a test just to like peace of mind that it's negative again, because yeah. I, I never felt good about drinking in that two week wait anyways. Cause it's just yeah. a mind game when you've got oh, that. Positive you put what if so I much effort into it. Let's just, yeah. yeah. So I take it, it's darker than it was in the morning. And again, I'm like, I hate my body. I just want a beer. Like, this is so dumb. Um, and I said, well, I can't in good conscience drink, but the, the test is whatever. And I put it no. next to the other one on the counter to like, wait for it to leave. And we go to the thing. Same thing next morning. The test is darker again. Are you um, starting to get hope at this point? I, well, I'm starting to protect myself from getting hope yeah. at this point. So now we're nine, 10, 11 DPO on the Saturday. I started getting that positive at nine. Um, so we're actually, and we're getting closer to like the trigger should be leaving my system, not getting darker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I call my best friend and I say, or both my best friends, I have a very, like, I have two, I call, they're like my family, my chosen family. We tell way too much information. It's the, one of them is the one that gave me the shot the first time I had to do the shot. And I say, I just need you to hold this for me. You hold the feelings for me here's the test. I said, no response. You can't have any reaction. Oh, I love that. I know. That is good. You the trigger. You need to hold any feelings. You, you go be excited or, or scared or something because I can't, but don't tell me. Don't tell me. I love that. So they do. They're like, okay, we will hold your feelings. Wow. I'm, and they're like, I'm so sorry that this is so confusing. They must've been having conversations together on the side. Oh, surely. Yeah. (laughs) So then Sunday morning, it's Easter Sunday. Um, I'm, and, and it's like the, the, we're all ramping up for infertility awareness week too, which is really beautiful on the 17th of April. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take another test. It's going to be negative by now. Cause now it's 13, no 12 DPO. So it'll definitely be gone. Even the digital was positive. And I still was like, I'm not. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, you've been well, through so much. Been I can understand. Total. Yeah. But, said, but it's also like, to your point, you're like, but it's not even just saying negative. So now I don't know. Yeah. So, so now, now I'm stressed. It's such a mind game. Mm-hmm. And I'm still in pain. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to miscarry then. Right? And did you say you started bleeding too, spotting? Mm-hmm. But it, would, it, it had gone away at, by this point. So hindsight it was probably implementation, but I have spotting every cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, take a picture of digital. And my husband also is like laughing at me. Um, and, and very similar to me going, I, he just kept saying, I don't want to feel hope. Sure. Yeah. yeah I get all it. Kind of like, no, 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 no. Um, I take a picture of it, send it to my friends and I went, I might be pregnant. And they went, you, 
you might you might, you might be, be huh? Be. doesn't that literally say pregnant <laughs> <laughs> uh. um go through the day I take tests obsessively the whole day they're still dark in the evening um I call my RE the next day Monday which is one day before I'm supposed to take a test and I said listen to me the trigger left and it returned or something you're doing a beta I don't know what to tell you I am not waiting until tomorrow I can't I can't I'm losing my mind at this point um and they're like okay I'm gonna prepare you even if it is positive it's going to be low because mm-hmm. it it's you're doing it a day early yeah 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 uh, it's early for everyone anyways this is this is whatever um so I'm like it's gonna be negative <laughs> I still have positive pregnancy tests and I'm like it's gonna be negative yeah. so I'm waiting for that call and they call me um and they're like it's 144 that's high to be above five and I I went because a, okay. trigger, a trigger shot wouldn't give that would it no no not at this point um absolutely not uh so I I I was like okay didn't allow myself to have any feelings and I drove to my husband's work oh and at this point they had uploaded to the portal the results of the blood test so he's on the phone with a customer and I just put the phone in front of him with the numbers we have no control no I can't wait for this sorry I'm on the phone Hangs up the phone and I said, tell them I'm taking you to lunch. We're leaving. So we left, we had lunch and we both kind of were like, oh my God, oh my God, what, what do we do? Oh, uh, and still with all the evidence possible at this point in our face are going, I, I just, I know. Yeah. Um, so I call my, my two best friends and I'm like, I'm pregnant, I guess. And they're like, yeah, no no shit I don't know what to tell you we decide we're not going to tell our families I just tell my sister yeah um my sister immediately starts crying for me I I never cried like the whole because I just was so so guarded so guarded and protecting myself um but I was supposed to lead a youth trip to Belize this summer so I immediately told our pastors and I just said this could end in like three seconds but someone else has to go to Belize and they were like what what happened (laughs) between like last month when you were besides yourself and now and I said I truly don't know um but yeah I was pregnant and we went in around five weeks because I was still having so much pain that we wanted to make sure everything was okay and they told us it was triplets and my husband um lost his mind in devastation because he was like you only got two hands. That's what he said. <laughs> were you like, were you pretty excited though? I, I thought they were going to tell me I had an ectopic pregnancy because I've been having so much pain. So I was like, there's three in there. No, oh. I thought I could have no babies. So I, I was over the moon, um, nervous. Like, I don't know how we were going to afford three sure. children. Yeah. Um, but then we go in at seven weeks and one had never gotten past five. So it was a blighted ovum. And one had stopped developing at like six weeks, uh, five days. So I don't know if they ever had a heartbeat or, or not. Um, I, I was upset. I, I, I started crying. My husband was like, look at that beautiful, healthy baby that had this nice, strong heartbeat. And, you know, they said, 
the two that we lost, um, so they called them mis miscarriages, and the two that we lost both had enlarged yolk sacs, which I guess can point early on to some genetic issues, um, and that they should not impact the healthy baby, and that this was kind of normal, and um, so we left that appointment, and I think, you know, my, my husband has been so happy since the moment we saw the one, and I am too, I've just been so anxious because one, understandably, you're waiting for their shoe to drop. We lost two so quickly. What's going to happen to this one? Sure. Um, and people are really, when I tell people that we started as a triplet pregnancy and we lost two right away, they're really quick to say that's so common because it is, this happens to lots of women. They don't even know because they don't get early ultrasounds. Um, but I did know, and I saw them and yeah. And I had, like, I started showing so quickly, partly because of the progesterone. Um, and I was so ill, but my hormones were so high because I started as a triplet pregnancy. Um, and we, we got, so I was sharing this with, with Kat when we first got on the call, but we got the DNA screening testing done. And their DNA was still in my system. It completely overrided the, the whole wow. test. And they were like, you must have triploidy because you have three billion sets of chromosomes yeah 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 Amanda she was telling me she listened to the episode last week yeah. and was like a little anxious and I was like I mean for me too you know Amanda was like you should probably wait until you deliver to listen to the episode so I'm proud of both of us for listening to yeah. it yeah yes. wow yeah so we we had to go to maternal fetal medicine mm -hmm. and get uh, an early anatomy scan done at 16 weeks because of the blood test and sure enough it's because their DNA is still there That's so right. I, I also think that like everyone we all just need to be more careful about how we talk to people about losses you know it, it can be it can be meaningless to one person and that is totally okay but but devastating for somebody else and there, you know I, at 16 week at an anatomy scan I still had a the gestational sac from one of them hanging around in there so it's not like oh. we talk about managing twin syndrome it's not like they just suddenly whoop disappeared I and mean, there's one of them is still, still hanging around that's um, mind-blowing being reabsorbed but our one baby is totally healthy. I should not have gotten the genetic testing done in our case. Um, all of the MFM doctors were so mad for us that it had even been recommended. Um, yeah. That's so, so, I mean, I feel like the, the average listener listening to this, we both knew you were pregnant, but like, that was not the ending that probably anybody. No, not us either. Like it, it was just, yeah, it was such a whirlwind and I've had to, be really give myself a lot of grace in the last 17 weeks because infertility trauma does not just magically go away with a positive test I mean case in point I I still kind of am like am I pregnant I have one of those um heart dopplers for at home I use it every day are you supposed to use it every day for sure not I use it every I had day. to give mine away it was too I bad I knew I was gonna be like it's, testing or doing it like every second I'm just waiting I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop you should feel him or her kick so uh, the first time I felt her kick was 17 weeks so you should feel it I have I felt the the like goldfishy feeling yeah like, oh, I'm like it's not that <laughs> right oh you'll oh you'll start to feel it and then you'll be like okay I don't need the Doppler <laughs> yeah yes that should help give you a little bit peace of mind for sure and then you like I then started to obsess and have the app I don't know if you have this cat where you like you count the kicks not yet but I've been counting I guess you're supposed to have 10 kicks in two hours and I get 10 in like six minutes and I'm like gosh she's psychotic 
Well, I will she say. I really want you to know she's there. That's our baby is the same way, though. So even though I'm not feeling them yet, when they did the anatomy scan at 16 weeks, they were like, oh my gosh, it won't, they, this baby won't stop moving. They were laughing so hard. And they said, that's a good thing. They're, they're, yeah, that's good. You no, know, a triploidy, this is, we don't see this. Yeah. 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 Um, well, congratulations. Yeah, what an incredible. And then looking back to like know that it was Easter Sunday yeah. and you were getting great news. It's just awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. And I, you know, I've I've been trying really hard to be careful about how I talk about the Bethel Easter Sunday or 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 what what role God played in everything. Cause I, I really believe end of the day God sat with us in our doubt, in our fear, in our suffering. And, and I had to do a lot of, a lot of work um, telling myself that throughout the whole time mm-hmm. um, because I felt like other people around me were not affirming that. They were very like, miracle baby will come and this, everything happens for a reason. And I even got like a, like God might be punishing you for something um, sentence once. And I mean, it's, it's just wild. wild. That yeah. is wild. Yeah. So I've been, I've been, I've just been really careful about it, but like, I wrote like a liturgy for myself when I was going through it and, and prayed it. And yeah, it's just been a whole, a whole Yeah. Thing. Did you want to share that on the episode oh, or do you want to yeah. share, however you want to do it? We can also include it on the blog post and the show yeah, notes absolutely. and we oh. can cl- what, however you want to do it, or if you want to share it now, we can kind of close with that. I would love that. So I, um, a love of mine is writing literature. I'm leaving my job as a as a youth director um, to graduate, Lord willing, because I've been doing seminary for five years. Um, but also to pursue writing, writing liturgy with a group of people that I really love, which we have a whole thing that will launch pretty soon. So this was one of the first liturgies I wrote on my own. Was oh, that? So it, it's actually what made me kind of discover I have a love of doing this. And, and inviting God into moments that there aren't words yet to invite yeah. God into. So if you're not a Christian listener and you're like, <laughs> please don't make me. You guys can leave now or just listen because you probably should hear it anyways. Or receive it how you ever wish to receive it. Um, yeah, these are, these are the words that I, that I wrote for, for me and for all who, who might be sitting in this tension. Lord of Sarai, of Hannah, of Elizabeth, Lord of women who laugh at the face of hope, who bargain and plead, who were shown favor. When will it be my turn? I have laughed, I have bargained and pled. Where is my favor? Is this a failure on my part or on yours? Do you sit with me and wait? Do you see me? Do you already know the end of this road? Perhaps this is an invitation to redefine what it means to be a mother. For mothers are more than childbearing women. Mothers are warriors. Mothers are caretakers. Mothers are advocates. I am already all those things. Help me to see my worth already there. Lord of women who sit in tension, who bask in joy, who are afraid, be with me in these spaces. Validate my pain and my joy even when the world won't and make me the one who laughs, who bargains and pleads, and who has received your favor anyways, one day soon. That was so powerful. Right? <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you for having me and hearing me. And I 
I hope it made sense. <laughs> uh, I can see why you're leaving your job to pursue that. That was absolutely beautiful. And we will include it in the blog post and the show notes. If someone wants to take that, I know if I was, um, you know, still walking through the IVF and all of that, that would be really helpful for me absolutely. to keep close. Um, so thanks Maddie. We appreciate it. And good luck on the next 20 some weeks. You're half, you almost too. halfway there. Yes, you too. Have a good day.